Hey guys, you're listening to Talk Space with Jen and Quee. I'm your girl, Jen. And I'm your girl, Quee. And this is our Safe Space podcast where we talk about all things life, from professions to family, love, laughter, and hot topics. And all the things in between, but from our perspective, of course. So welcome. Thank you. Go ahead, grab your favorite drink, have a seat, and let's just chat. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening for whenever you are listening to this podcast. Welcome and thank you. Hey guys. <laughs> hey Quee, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You know, I'm well. I can't complain. I'm good. The week is over. Well, I guess it's never really over for entrepreneurs, but it's over business-wise. <laughs> for a day, a little bit. For a day. Depends on if my phone ring, but <laughs> right, right. We have to watch out for that because you know parents, <laughs> they may pop in on a call. <laughs> oh no, that's why I talked to them earlier today. So they only gonna call me on emergency this evening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tonight, or whenever you're listening to this podcast, we're talking about um a somewhat heavy hitting topic. I guess it's not as heavy as some of the topics we'll get to, but we're talking about our identities and how we define ourselves within the boxes that society makes us check. And then the struggles that come with that, um, fitting in the box, not fitting in the box. So I think um, a good like title, I suppose, for this topic is identifying as a black woman, defying the narrative being boxed in how do you feel about that I feel good so so tell me how do you identify Hmm. I don't like identifying as anything um however I think we've talked about this briefly before in recent years probably in the last three or four years I have learned what it means for other people to identify me as a black woman yeah And in that, um, I kind of had to sit back and revel in it and kind of, I guess, kind of weigh what they were saying or what the narrative is and decide whether or not I wanted to live up to that narrative or just have my own narrative. I think no matter how much we try to stray away from that narrative, there's still commonalities about that narrative, especially when it comes to our interactions with people, our interactions in business. And so for me, because society almost requires it, I do identify as a black woman, um, but I don't identify with the stereotype that comes with that. Yeah. And for me, I definitely identify as a black woman. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be black before I'm anything else. I agree. I don't like identifying with the different stereotypes that come with being a Black woman. But for me, one of the strongest titles that I can wear is being a Black woman. Mm, yes. So for me, I definitely understand like what you mean when you say like you don't want to identify as anything specific. But for me, I'm a Black woman, okay? Mm-hmm. You're going to get all of this LaQuisha, okay? <laughs> 
<laughs> Laquisha. <laughs> you guys can't see her right now, but her whole face, like she just did an entire like posable photo ops moment with her entire face. Listen, so it's so, it's so funny. Um, well, I, I shouldn't say funny because a lot of people probably won't find it funny, but it's funny to me that until recently, and again, I think this is something that we've already touched on in our personal conversations. Until recently, I didn't realize that I was a black woman. And when I say that, hold on, because I see your face. Okay. I feel the side eyes, and I, feel I was about to say, hold up, pause. Wait a minute now. Now listen, wait, wait, wait. So I know that I am black. I know that I am a woman. But I think growing up, there was never a time where we had to have a conversation about being a black woman. It was just, this is who you are. Like, just be you, right? Don't, don't necessarily I, I have agree. to fit within that definition or, or have to define yourself as that. And it wasn't until I was working with a company that I was traveling with and I was in a very rural area. Um, and someone said to me, oh, I like you. You're so different. You're not like other black women that I've met. And that's when I was like, wait a second, I'm a black woman. Quisha, don't take your earrings off. It's okay. Okay. Cause I was, <laughs> who are they? What are you at? Let me find them. But listen, they are the sweet, when I tell you they are the sweetest people, they are the sweetest people like that I have ever ever come in contact with the most considerate ones, the ones that really wanted to know, does this offend you? Does this, does this not offend you? Because if it does, I don't want to do it because I like you and I want us to, you know, for, foster this relationship. But that to me was kind of the moment that I was like, everybody else first sees a black woman when they see me. Whereas when I look in the mirror, I just see Jen, like, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah. I see my color. I see that I have these breasts and this butt and that I'm a woman anatomically, but I didn't know what that meant for other people to see me as that. Right. And that was the moment that I realized what it meant for other people. And so that was kind of like the defining moment that I was like, whoa, I'm a black woman in America. There are certain expectations, certain responsibilities, certain um, stereotypes that come with that. And that was the moment that I was like, I have to make sure that I'm defining me as a person and not becoming a representative for black women. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think what you said was very profound and it was that you did not identify. It's completely different when you don't realize that you don't identify there. I think that that completely removes I don't know, it removes that barrier, but I think there's another issue when someone refuses. Mm. After you've been put in situations where you know that people, when they see you, when they look at you, black woman, but when you're kind of, when you know that and you're like, uh-uh, I'm removed for that, I'm not black. And I've heard that. I've heard black women say, oh, I'm not black. What are you? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know it's a little bit of an identity crisis in that, it is. you know, it is. I think there are some people that will say, oh, I'm not black just because they, you know, they don't want to be defined. They don't want to have to check a box or anything like that. And then I think there are other people who 
say, oh, I'm not black because they don't want to be associated with the negative connotations that can come with that. But I think for me, oh, I knew I was black from birth. I knew I was black. I knew that there were going to be places that saw my blackness and that tried to, you know, and people that tried to judge me based on that blackness. I knew that, but I was always more concerned with just presenting the best person that I could be. Yeah. So I definitely acknowledge that I was black. I love the blackness. I love the lineage that comes with that. I love the ancestral respect that should come with that, that most people, you know, don't take advantage of or don't hold dear. It was just not a thing that I felt like I ever had to, I don't know. It was, it was never a thing that I had to talk about, I guess, Mm -hmm. until the past couple of years. Yeah. I think the conversation has become a lot more relevant and mm-hmm. out front than it has in the past. Um, and I'll say from my personal experience, I think just even transitioning through my professional life, you just, there are just certain things you, you don't realize until you're there, you're at the door and you're waiting. And sometimes being a black woman, that door won't open just because you're black. And I've experienced mm-hmm. that, you know, you can have, you can hit every single box, but because they see you and they see your blackness, that's a problem. Um, and that's so unfortunate, you know, so, so very unfortunate. So what you just said was amazing, right? You can, you can check every box and you can do everything, but the door won't open simply because you're black. Mm-hmm. And this, and I know people are going to judge me and they're probably going to say that I'm ignorant or aloof or whatever, but that was never a thought in my head until a few years ago. Like, what are you talking about that? Even when it comes to systemic racism, until a few years ago, I was like, guys, come on. Like, it doesn't exist. Stop playing. Like, everybody loves everybody. Because I think that's that's kind of the bubble that I want to say we, but I'll stick to saying that I was raised in. Like, we knew about being Black. We knew about Black history, but we also knew that nothing should ever hold us back. So just live for the moment and do what you needed to do in the moment and make the best of it. And I don't ever remember like having that hard conversation about some people are not going to give you what you deserve just because you're black. And it could have happened. I just don't remember it happening. And I think that realization, again, when, when this whole realizing how other people viewed me happen, I realized, yeah, that door is not going to open because I deserve it. Yeah. It's not even going to open if I try to force it. Mm-hmm. And it may just be on the basis that I'm black. Yeah. And see, I've been on the receiving end of that several times. Um, I think also too, like you said, we were, we were raised where in, an, first of all, we, the area that we were raised in, in itself, I mean, and we've talked about this before. Yes, there are probably issues, but for the most part, the people in our community, our home community are people who treat you with, for the most part, dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what your race is, what color your skin is. You could be green. If you throw your hand up and say, how you doing? Somebody going to say, how you doing back? That's just, right. that's where we're raised. I think when I transitioned from college to professional life, that's when I seen it. Like, that's when I felt like, oh, shoot, girl, you black for real. <laughs> and they know it. My experiences going to school was most of my schools were predominantly African-American. 
So that experience was there. I went to an HBCU in college. Hello. But then transitioning out of that, going into the workforce, you're you're put for, you're put in front of people who will love everything about you, will love the energy you bring, your experience, how you talk, how you carry yourself. But there's still that little bit of, still that little bit of, uh, I like to call it that, that taste in the back of your mouth. Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. She's a black girl though. Mm-hmm. And I experienced that and it sucks. It really does suck. I mean, even from working hard and getting promotions, like you could have everything you could check off. Like I said, check off every box and they won't give you the promotion. And I, a lot of times I think that's just because they're, because you're black. Like, I, I think I, it's so crazy um, to even have to have a conversation about this, right? Like, why should we have to have a conversation about it? But I think I probably had the mindset that, let me not say that. I can remember a time where someone had to point out an instance and when I was being treated differently because I was black, they had to point it out to me because I have always tried to make it a point to not play the quote unquote race card. Like I have lived my entire life to make sure that I never pulled out what anybody could consider the race card. And because of that, I chose not to see things that were probably very apparent. Clearly they were apparent because other people of different races would point it out to me and say, you know, that happened. Right. And I'm like, what are you talking about? No, it didn't because I chose not to see things and I chose not to acknowledge things. And again, all of this happens like, well, this whole enlightenment quote unquote period happened within the last couple of years, because I just, I've, I've, so growing up in New York, we were raised in it was like a mixed community. There were, you know, Caribbeans, West Indians, Indians, Black people, everything. But it was mostly people of color, like just in my little neighborhood. But then outside of that, like going to school, it was mixed. Um, in my parents, you know, professional lives, everything was mixed. We're in the city all the time, so it's mixed. And so it was very rare that I would ever think of anything because everyone was so integrated and everyone was so meshed. And then in my professional life, again, there were probably instances, I just chose not to see them. I was like, nothing is going, you know, this person isn't gonna define me. This person is never gonna accuse me of playing the race card because every single time something happens and someone points something out, that's the first thing. Oh, they're just playing the race card. But so it's not me- a card, it's, it's an observa- observation essentially. So let me ask you a question. Do you think that you kind of separating yourself from the identity of being black do you think that that fostered an environment to propel you versus like for me on the other hand I'm a black woman and you don't you gonna get this blackness (laughs) I think so I don't I don't want to say that I like removed myself from the identity of being black because I knew I was black but I wanted to remove myself as far as I could from the negative stereotypes right well, so, that's okay. So I, I don't know if it propelled me. I honestly don't know if it propelled me. I knew that it almost seemed natural to me to do it because I'm always out of the box. Like I'm in the box because I follow rules, but I always think outside of the box. Listen, I follow rules. Will you stay in the box? Cause girl, I ain't my personality box. doesn't, 
but I follow rules when they're given. But when they're not clearly defined, I, I don't, I don't follow. She don't follow. She be y'all. She don't follow. <laughs> but I just, I, 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 I don't break rules. I just find ways. Oh, you one of those. You find a loophole in the rule. <laughs> I find loopholes all the time. And I'll, you know, I'll go to meetings and I say, well, that was not clearly defined, you know, and according to the bylaws, it's nowhere within the bylaws. So how can it be wrong if it's not within the bylaws? Like, what's to say that this was not a correct way to solve this problem? Just because it wasn't the way that someone else thought about it. There's nothing against it in the rules. I like to make people think. Child, y'all better call Jen up. She'll give y'all a Let me know. (laughs) Show me the contract. I'll find the loophole. No, but that's a, that's a clear, you know, that's pretty clear. I mean, if you're working, if you're working like that, I don't know. I just asked because sometimes I think for me personally, well, from a professional standpoint, I feel that I have to silence who I am mm-hmm. and how proud I am to be black. And of course that means separating myself from, like you said, the negative things that come with being black. Oh, she's on welfare. Oh, she's an angry black woman, you know, separating Mm -hmm. myself from those things. But sometimes I feel that I have to silence who I am and the things that are important to me because I am black and I love it. I love being black. I love being able to give people insight to my culture I, you know, we spoke briefly earlier about my friend who Mm -hmm. is a white man. However, he, I've been able to bring him in and teach him bits and pieces of what it's like to be black. Uh, He came to our house for Thanksgiving and Mm -hmm. had a dressing and giblet gravy and he know nothing (laughs) about that. And Wait a second. I don't know anything about that. What is a giblet gravy? Black people know what giblet gravy is. That's what you put on the dressing. See, I'm vegan. I don't know anything about that. Okay. Mm-mm. You know, it's the, it don't, it don't look good. It don't, it look nasty on the stove. That's why I don't know anything about it. If the food does not look pleasant, <laughs> I do not eat it. It's like kind of gray, creamy looking. Nope. I don't eat anything gray. I don't eat anything gray. No, ma'am. Well, you probably wouldn't eat it anyway. Cause like you said, you are you are vegan however like chicken and eggs and stuff and oh it's good anyway I say all that to say is I put him on that okay he was like wow oh my god and he even took some home to his beautiful white mother his mom was like wow what's in this (laughs) I don't know my mama made it she dumped a whole bunch of stuff in their pot so I love being able to bring who I am and what my culture is Uh my professional life and However, wow, that's awesome. Like that just makes me like they're like, oh, you being too black, <laughs> but I'm black. <laughs> and wow, that's for me. It was just different. I think I I think I've always been in environments that were predominantly white male led that I never wanted there subconsciously, I think I never wanted there to be a reason for me not to be equal. You know, I I never wanted them to be able to say anything or to document anything for me not to be equal. So I never brought, again, there are sprinkles of my personality. Absolutely. Because there are just parts of me that I can't hold back. I'm loud. 
I'm going to give you my opinion. Okay. Um, but I'm going to do it in a way that's going to make you think like, what does that word mean? I'm going to have to go to Webster's and look this up. Cause I don't know what she just called me, but I, I just, you know, it's just something that I did. And I, I, I very rarely brought like all of Jen, um, and her personality, unless I'm teaching my students get me, they get all of me. And it just happens. It's not like I, I consciously do it. It's just, I guess, because it's more of a relaxed environment. It's more of an intimate environment where it's just us, um, where I'm not wearing a suit, where I'm not wearing heels, where my hair doesn't need to be controlled and put back. Um, I know that's a whole nother thing. I know hair is another thing. Listen, I don't know who out there listening who don't know about black women here. Don't ask about it. Don't touch it. It ain't none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Ghibli gravy that just came out, y'all. I, I told y'all I'm black. I mean, what y'all want me to say? It ain't none of your business. I never wanted the questions. Oh, how do you do that with your hair? We are at work. We don't need to have a conversation about my hair. Like that, that's how much I separated everything. This is work. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to talk about. I don't have time to educate you on all things black culture. I don't have time for that. It's not something that I, that I want to do. I'm here to make money. So these are the confines. If this is the time frame that we're working together, let's discuss work, only work, nothing but work. So help us God. And then if I like you, we can go out afterwards, you know, after work, and then we can have a conversation about other things. If that's why I feel like this is a space of growth, because maybe I need to do that. Maybe I need to adopt that policy. You don't, know? uh-uh, uh-uh. Don't stunt your personality. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. No, but I'm just saying, I mean, we're talking about, we're just talking about a little growth. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I could grow and kind of reel back and just give them professional. Hello, my name is Laquisha. I'm here to help you. <laughs> Not the voice, not the voice, y'all. Answer, answer the phone like this. You know, you know it's a cold switch. You know what's crazy? Mine rarely turns off. I wasn't gonna call you out like that in front of the whole wide world, but that's my code rarely turns off. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I said don't stunt your personality. Don't stop the growth. Don't do any of that. It rarely turns off. Like there are times when I'm talking to like, listen, don't piss me off. Don't do it. Cause first of all, if you piss me off, you get in Jamaica, Queens, you get in Bronx, New York, and you get in Yonkers. It's all coming out on the table and I don't care. And, and it the has thing is You don't have a potty mouth. See, you I piss don't. me off and you're going to get potty mouth too. So <laughs> you getting real black woman. Southern fried you is, black you woman. You're going to be fried up like some okra. I promise you. Mm, I love fried okra. Oh my God, girl. <laughs> but for real though. So wait, I'm still on the fried okra. Okay. Moment of silence for the fried okra. This is how ridiculous our show is going to be guys. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but no, for real. Like I, 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 let me tell you at work, I have to code switch to turn on mm. my, my professional voice because my coworkers, they going to get this. My manager going to get this. My district manager can't stand my black ass, but he go get this. <laughs> Listen, I think what helped cultivate that in you is probably going to an HBCU. Yes, I will agree. And the experience is very, and you don't even realize it because a lot of people don't, 
think that college is like you you think about the college experience itself so you think about going to college you're away from home for the first time you're going to class you're pretty much grown but people don't talk about the impact that your college experience has on your who you become as an adult mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying so I will say encountering black women who did not attend an HBCU who went to a PWI, the experience was completely different. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I, whereas going to an HBCU, it's like, what's up, sis? Hey, sister girl. Even in a professional setting, I have sat down with admissions counselors and advisors, and they will sister girl me to death. These are professional. Wow. This is Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so. Like these are professional women. They still go sister girl me. Wow. So it's so crazy. And I think that that has also kind of made me a little bit jaded when I deal with other black women in a professional setting. And it doesn't have to be sister girl, but when I could tell that we don't identify the same. Listen, let me tell you something right now. First of all, you don't have to take notes when I'm listening and I'm talking to people. So I just had to jot down several things very quickly. First, I think it also, not only did you go to an HBCU, but you lived on campus. Right. That's a big difference because for me, all of my college years, I've always had an apartment off of campus. I never stayed in a dorm. I was never like all the extra activities besides dance practice. Like that was it or drama, like anything else I'm in class, I'm out of class, I'm at work. Right. So I never was fully immersed in that college experience. Okay. Now let's talk about sister girl, because when I'm interviewing people, if you walk into my office and you have a sister girl attitude, nope, this is what I mean by there is a strict and strong and stark line for me. And in a professional setting, we don't know each other. Just because the color of our skin is remotely close to each other, that does not mean we have anything in common besides that. So how about we start on a professional level and we stay on a professional level because I am not your sister girl. Now hold up, let me me stop you. Let me stop you because I'm not like that initially. Mm Mm-hmm. But after we've been working together for some time, kind of getting to know each other and conversing, that's why I say I bring who I am personally. Into gotcha. Her. Okay. So you know it. who I gotcha. am, you know who, what my family is about. And at that point, you know what I'm saying? And so it's very, it's very awkward when we can't even have cultural conversations. Mm. For example, everybody know the, the figurative cookout, right? Oh, they can come to the cookout, right? Everybody knows that. So Mm -hmm. if I'm sitting here having a laughing conversation with you and I say, oh, you can't come to the cookout. They're like, what cookout? I was like, girl, we don't identify. (laughs) We are not in the same club. Wait, wait a second. You lost me. I thought you meant an actual barbecue. (laughs) Wait, are we not talking about a barbecue? (laughs) I thought we were talking about 4th of July cookout. hang up and try again. If you need (laughs) to hang up and then dial your operator. Okay, that's where we are. Let me tell you something. Don't judge me. This is our safe space. Remember? That's why I said figuratively, a uh, figurative cookout. So being yes, invited to the cookout means that you are a part of the culture. You are black. You are woke. That's what the cookout is. So I don't know if you've ever seen on social media where they're like, oh, let's trade this white celebrity for a black Uncle Tom, quote unquote, celebrity and let them come to the cookout. No, but I just made a bullet point of the figurative cookout. So we all know that Jen ain't invited to the figurative cookout, right? Did y'all peep that? Y'all let me know. Listen, go comment on the the go comment on the post on our Instagram 
and let me know if Jen is invited to the cookout. Cause I don't think she- Don't let her invite me to the cookout. Stop playing. Mm, y'all. I bring the sponsorship. We gonna tell her what the cookout is the day. We gonna invite her on Friday, but the cookout not till Saturday. So you can come to the pre-cookout. All of y'all are disrespectful. If you follow <laughs> LaQuisha's model in life right now, you are dis damn respectful. Real, comment and let me know if Jen is invited. <laughs> don't even know what the cookout is which means hello how you gonna come to something you don't know what it is but seriously because I, mean, I was gonna bring the tofu dogs ew <laughs> what no just okay what no, in the ham cheese sandwich is a tofu dog I was joking I don't even eat them I don't even eat tofu dogs but yeah that was that we gonna invent the tofu dog and we could have made money off of that see there <laughs> <laughs> But oh, in seriousness, yeah. that it's a real thing, mm-hmm. it's a real thing for me because I'm like you. We can't, we can't relate. We cannot relate to one another yeah. because you don't understand what it's like. I, I think I, for me, m- my mom always told me like, "You're a black woman. Be that," mm-hmm. you know. And I lead with that. I mean, yeah. hello guys. My name is Laquisha. Right. So on paper. So Jen can get a nice job and her credentials will look amazing and wonderful and beautiful. And they like, hmm, is she black? Maybe. They see LaQuisha on that paper, like, oh, that's a black girl. She probably got long <laughs> fingernails too. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is so true. Guys, so we kind of decided to bring someone else in on this conversation with us. And this person um, is amazing from, from all our interactions thus far. And her name is Christian Jackson. So I wanna take a couple of seconds to just kind of briefly introduce her so that she can begin weighing in on this conversation. Quee, if that's good with you right now, I just kind of wanna bring her on. Yeah, of course, of course, okay, I'm excited. Awesome. So Christian was raised and currently lives in Columbia, South Carolina. After earning her bachelor's degree from Winthrop University in psychology, she obtained a master's in clinical mental health counseling. Today, she is a licensed professional counselor, a certified addictions counselor, and national board certified counselor. She co-owns a private practice for the last three years, and recently she has self-published her book entitled Daddy Issues, How to Detangle from the Sins of Our Fathers. And there's a workbook to go along with it that addresses the multi-level trauma for women who have experienced difficult relationships with their fathers. Her brand, Couch with Christian, is the foundation of her movement to help women feel safe while addressing the resulting uh, traumatic experiences throughout their life. So guys, I am so excited. We are so excited to have Christian join us. Hello, Christian. Hey ladies, how are y'all? We are awesome. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. The introduction sounds real nice. (laughs) (laughs) Before you joined us, we were just kind of talking about and I know Kui is going to go in on me again. We were just kind of talking about, although we were raised very similar, how different mm-hmm. we have turned out professionally. And mm-hmm. in the sense that Kui brings her Blackness forward all the Ooh. time. Like no filter, no nothing. <laughs> wait, mm-hmm. wait. Okay, filter, like filter. That. I know. You Let me roll it back. Like that, you make it sound like I'm coming in swinging with my body. No, no, on <laughs> no, no. 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 No, I'm hearing unapologetic. That's what I'm hearing. Right. I got you. Right. That's what I'm hearing. She, okay. Like, you are going to know that she is a strong black woman from the moment that 
you know, your first interaction is with her. Whereas for me, you're going to know that I am a strong woman, mm-hmm. right? And although of course I identify as being black, I don't necessarily bring a lot of my own personality into my mm-hmm. corporate. Well, I shouldn't say I haven't because I'm no longer in corporate America. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, yes. Okay. Don't he do it. So (laughs) I always, you know, wanted to make sure that no one could ever put the negative connotations or the negative stereotypes that often come with being a black woman Mm -hmm. um, anywhere around my name in corporate America. Um, And because of that, we've talked about the code and code switching and how I rarely turn off even outside Mm -hmm. of work. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. family functions, you you definitely, I'd be like, come on girl. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't turn off. I'm still mm-hmm. very sit up straight, you know, legs are crossed at the ankles. Um, I'm still talking, but I'm always the person that's like trying to make sure that everything is always going in the way that it should go. And because of that, I don't turn off from that code, quote unquote. Whereas Kui mm-hmm. has to remind herself to turn on, even though we shouldn't, <laughs> right? We shouldn't have to turn on and off, but Kui is like dang it, I'm at work. Let me get it together. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm like, dang it, I'm with family. Let me relax. Mm-hmm. So that's what we were talking about right before you came in. So I guess, Kui, like we would love to know how you identify, right? Mm-hmm. What that narrative looks like for you. And then just to kind of have you weigh in on the conversation a bit. Oh, ain't that, first of all, thank y'all for having me. Hey, Kui, so nice to meet you, sis. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> um, I think, Y'all are talking about layers, right? Like for us um, as Black women, there are lots of things that unfortunately have to come forward before we are um, accepted and there are already assumptions already made about who we are. Um, Queen, you was just talking about your name when I popped up in here. And I have to say I relate because my name is Christian, my middle name. I've always gone by my middle name. Um, but I learned very quickly that that was supposed to be my ticket into getting like corporate jobs or putting things on my resume. So my parents never called my brother or me by our first name. My first name is Sharia. And it is when you put it on paper to me, it's easy to read if you just use your phonics, but <laughs> not everybody does that. So literally one of my earliest members uh, memories of being kind of um, programmed into presenting a certain way is my name. So that's why when I sign my name, it's S. Christian Jackson. And my dad named me Christian, um, he said, so that I could kind of slide into different, at, t- at different tables when, you know, before, if I had just used Sharia, I couldn't. And so I got to a place in my life where I had to make sure that I knew who I was identifying as, just period, just as Christian, before I could accept who I am as Sharia, which is all the same person, right? But Sharia looks different on paper than Christian does. So then you even think about the patriarchy, right? So like my name is also a male name, quote unquote, right? So that's the other piece of what my dad was doing when he named me. He said he was setting me up so that, of course, again, I could be, it's confusing. So I've got lots of emails. Um, My maiden name is Ray. And so, yes, thank you for responding, Mr. Ray. Like I would always get that, (laughs) my maiden name. Um, And then, of course, when you put Sharia Ray, my first and last name, my maiden name on paper, then it it looks real. It looks away. 
okay, okay. <laughs> so like, we know she woke mm-hmm. okay you know she's got something going on you know so I think that part of I love how you brought up the name piece because I think that is that's our introduction to people yeah. and we're looking at people on paper and so it took a while for me to understand and even appreciate my name I'm, I, I literally would come on to school on the first day of school every year of my school I would say they would get down to the R's and they would say um get ready to say my name and I would just say just call me Christian just by the the white teachers the pause um right. <laughs> there was the pause all the yes. time right <laughs> always like I just want to make sure I say this right and it wasn't necessarily I didn't have the language for it then but I, I want to believe that they were trying to pronounce Sharia correctly, but it also looked like they were tired and kind of like, oh, I'm, here we go. You know, that kind of connotation, you know, when they came to Sharia in the role. So I felt and learned very early, just let me take the burden off of you, white person or a person, whoever outside of me. Um, let me just accommodate you, right? And so that came from, that was very early taught, but you know, I didn't know that's what I was doing when I was younger, you know, taking the burden off of people and shrinking myself. When my name is a Hebrew, it's it's not even like, quote unquote, a ghetto hood name. It's Hebrew, Sharia means friend. And it's like a really nice connotation. You look at the meaning. So then I started to look into who I was that way. And, you know, uh, my brother is really big on names and he's talking about like he's into numerology and like the first letter of your name kind of connotates with who you can be and all that stuff. And so when I started to embrace and learn what Sharia means and the heritage behind it, I, you know, had a sense of pride, but I'm almost 35 and for years, over 20 years, again, I'm shrinking myself so that I can let other people feel comfortable showing up in your spaces. And I think that is a huge piece of what our identity is made up of is how we respond and how we hold space for each other um, and how we even see ourselves. So, I mean, that's that's what I was thinking about as you was talking about your name, Kui. I was like, oh, sis, I feel that. I and do. It's like so crazy because my name is spelled capital L-A capital Q. Mm-hmm. And my mom, like, if anybody writes your name down, it, the Q better be capitalized. It needs to be, right. And that for me, I, and like you said, I think that's where it started. So my name is LaQuisha. I am mm-hmm. I am Black. You're going to get it. Mm-hmm. And there was some point where I think I might have been in middle school. No, I lie. I was in high school and I had this teacher and he was mm-hmm. a butthole. He mm-hmm. was very racist, old white man. And mm-hmm. he was like, we got to give you another name because that ain't going to work. Oh, give you another name? Sure. See, that's a whole nother word in the cell. That's a whole nother show. And I say, well, if you want to give me another name, you're going to have to call Lisa and talk that out with her. And wasn't nobody calling Lisa. Ain't nobody going to call Lisa. No. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're <laughs> still scared to call Lisa sometimes. <laughs> so I think that that may be, you know, just piggybacking off what you said about how your name and how that comes through it's very profound. My mom made like, your name is LaQuisha. That's what I named you. That's what they going to call you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just, it just is what it is. And I think even the code switching part, I had to do that really early too. Um, again, another one of those things I was conditioned to do as I was always the token really early in elementary schools, always the only black girl in the magnet programs or in the smart classes or in the autumn classes. So then I learned very early in order for me to fill in, um, fit in and feel safe, 
and I had to conform. So I learned that super early, you know what I'm saying? Like even down to how I was speaking, um, like Jen was saying, like it's just a lot of what we don't really realize what we kind of put on our kids at such an early age. That's a lot of responsibility for you to literally from elementary school be taught that you have to be two different people when we don't even have the one person down. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know who I am already. You asked me to add on a whole nother personality and that's huge. That just says a lot about what I think we were taught as um, like our ancestors were taught as far as presenting themselves in certain spaces in a certain way. Um, we got to understand the intention and where that comes from, of course, because a lot of that was protection. It's self-preservation. So I did this accommodated to whatever massa needed so that I could live and see my family again. So if you think about how deeply rooted that stuff is, then I think that we could start to forgive ourselves for denying maybe even a piece of us. Um, but I think, you know, Jen and I were talking the other day and one of the things I tell my clients is something I heard on another podcast. And I wish I could remember which one it was, but um, therapy is like healing our ancestors. Um, it's like giving them permission to breathe, to know, first of all, that each generation gets better and it's okay. So I was, we were talking about it in the context of healing, but even in this, in this conversation about identity and being who we are and showing, you know, the ancestors or whoever, you know, you want to call them, um, seeing that we can make them proud. Like, look, like grandma, great so-and-so, I can be who I am the way that you weren't able to, and thank you for paving the way but now it's okay. You know what I'm saying? So there's so many layers to this conversation. And even when I was preparing today, I was just thinking about the different pieces and how and why we identify certain ways. But that cold switching conversation is a real thing. It, you know, that's the microaggressions we got to deal with that work. You know, Jen was talking about the corporate America as a whole different talk. So I think at its core, the identity piece, as far as our desire or tendency, at least to kind of code switch is um, doing what we were taught it's ingrained in us it's it's code switching to um protect ourselves and and when i when what i'm hearing you say please that your mom has taught you from the beginning to be unapologetic which i love you know i didn't really get that <laughs> and i think honestly that came from her not being able to be who she was growing up i'll be honest because if we go back to her relationship with her mom and how her mom came from a little small town, worked in a restaurant. Like I, I recall just recently when we were kind of preparing for the episode, my grandma's interaction with non-Black people, she would always keep her head down, would not look them in the eye, you know, with her head up. And mm. I remember, I remember seeing my grandma like kind of shrink herself to not be to make sure there was no aggression being shown when she was dealing with non-people of color. And mm -hmm. I think that that's why my mom was the way she was because my grandma used to be like, why are you talking to them like that? Don't talk to them like that. Put your head down. Why are your heads up? That, and you know, mm -hmm. and I think about that. And so I think that's why my mom was like, girl, go be black and beautiful in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's even down to colorism. I mean, mm. even if you get down into deep into it, being mm -hmm. black, mm -hmm. you know, especially Jen and I, our family, like we're like the rainbow. I mean, we have mm -hmm. very, very light people all the way up to my brother who is, woo, that man is dark, deep chocolate. Yes. <laughs> He's hot, healthy chocolate. Um, mm -hmm. And it's so funny because my mom used to tell me, like, I used to be like, oh, um, I want to be dark like you because I'm not as dark as my mom and my siblings. And my mom be like, girl, you are chocolate. Okay, who you playing with? 
you know so Mm -hmm. it's it's that it's being being proud of who you are and I think that's that's just how I am and I lead with that anywhere I am I lead with that Mm -hmm. that's admirable a lot of people that I treat especially women don't necessarily come with that confidence because even you talk hearing you talk about your grandmother to me what stuck out to me was the level of fear that she was probably speaking from and it's unfair that you know we were raised and taught from that perspective of um I can't do this or you know like I'll have some of my clients fill in the blank um and really talk about what it means to them when they if they if you were to enter a space like you do unapologetically um, and you were you never really did that what would it mean if you actually did like really kind of dig back in that thing answer that question for yourself if I did show up with all of my glory doing what I do then what would that mean and you know the answers are it's a myriad of things but a lot of them are fear-based it's a lot of anxiety around showing up as yourself which is um it's unfair it's really hurtful you know what I'm saying I think um that's why this surgence of the black girl magic is so important, I think, for the culture. I mean, I do have an unpopular opinion about the Black Girl Magic movement, um, <laughs> but I think that that's the intention, of course, is there for us to feel pride in ourselves. Um, I definitely was, I grew up not, I guess, not necessarily wanting to be Black, but knowing that being, I mean, not, not but knowing that being Black was hard. Like, I didn't want to be white necessarily, and I say necessarily it's the asterisk in there because it just seems like that being a white person just seems easier. That's just what it felt like as a kid. Um, and that narrative, of course, was ingrained pretty early as well. Those insecurity issues, trust issues, they come from a lot of deeply rooted child stuff. That's a lot of where the work I do. I have to ask people, like if you and I were in a session, I'd be like, well, Kui, what? how old is this? Like, how old is that Kui that shows up in this meeting? You know, like, why is she showing up this way? And, you know, what's happening, what's triggered for you in this conversation to where you kind of go to this space and respond from that, um, that place in your head or your heart, because this doesn't always match, you know, your heart and your head don't always match. So we have to do a lot of that work in therapy is to try to reconcile what that means, and really kind of fleshing out what the, uh, what the scripts are that we learn as children, where those messages were coming from, and how those are barriers to us showing up which is just the word that keeps kind of ruminating in my head right now, even in this conversation is how do we show up and why do we show up the way that we do? And just like that, episode one has come to a close. Please be sure to tune in next time for part two of this amazing conversation with our resident therapist homegirl, Miss Christian Jackson, as well as my lovely, amazing sister co-host, Kui. Hey guys, thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at Talkspace with Jen and Queen. And remember, we're here for all of it, but let's tell the truth. We'll talk to you guys in two weeks.